the big lump, George Burgess. Welcome to the podcast. An absolute pleasure to be here. I've been waiting for the call. And finally, you've uh, got you've me on. Waiting. So. You've been waiting. <laughs> Busy schedule, George. Yeah. Been waiting well, for the call. Do so much. Much I've been sat at home, you know, get, getting my hip rehab done and just been waiting for the call. I think we've had, we have had you on before many years, many moons ago. And we've had Sam on. And we've had Biff. Early we've had the big days. dogs on. Biff, uh, Sam, Tom. No, look, no Luke didn't get an invite because he's rubbish. Luke, no, it was, Luke not been on? It was early days. It was in Pot Kettle Black, me and Tom, I think it was. That was a while ago. Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling? How are you looking? Describe everyone who can't see you. How are you looking? I'm feeling great. I, I had the surgery done um, five and a half weeks ago now. So, yeah, I'm just feeling really optimistic about, you know, my future playing career. And obviously my, my pain, my chronic pain that I had in my hip is gone. And I'm really uh, excited about getting back into some training. And it's a very from. professional first answer. We'll, we'll, we'll break him down. We've got an hour. We'll, you know, that was, that was yeah, basically... That was by the book. Textbook. That's kind of why Naomi Osaka doesn't want to do press conferences because, you know, you get answers like that and why we don't want to ask those questions. But, you know, we've got, we've got 50, 50, 58. I'm going to do a bit of foreplay first. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll loosen you up and, and loop you up as well. Yes. Go, on. Um, go on, so look, you mentioned the surgery there. The, the hip, I've seen the pictures. You've, well, I've seen it in the flesh. Mm. The, the operation looks like a shark bite. And we'll put some out on well, Twitter to see it. That was a horrendous. But before no, before we talk about that, when did you first notice the hip problem? Because this isn't something that just happened at Wigan. It's been a long-standing injury, isn't it? To be honest, I first noticed the hip problem when I was about 18 years old. I played um, for England Academy right before I was going to Australia. And I had my first treatment on the hip my first year in Sydney when I was 18, 19 years old. So I probably had... I was looking back through all my previous like treatments that I've had on it, and my first one was in 2011, so probably about 10 years that I've uh, sort of carried it, and you know I've had good patches and bad patches throughout that time. But obviously, these last probably 18 months have, have been quite hard, and so it's quite... come to a head basically from you know 12 years on. Yeah, definitely. You know, I had, I had a lot of good years with with the hip. At the rabbit holes, but you know the whole time through that I was managing it and doing my best. You know, working. Talk well, us through managing it. What what what's like a week in your life playing professional sport, managing an injury? What what does it what does it entail? I was always on the physio bed, constantly on the physio bed, and the the physio at the rabbit holes will tell you you spent the most amount of time with me working on my hip and getting me right for games and doing all different sorts of things like you know injections and. You know, you get to a point where, um, you know, sort of it, it becomes too much and obviously I've had to go and now and get the surgery because the hip was in a bad state and, you know, I was sort of scratching my head thinking, why is it why is it not good? And I went and got scanned and obviously found out that, um, yeah, it was in a really bad state. So I was struggling a bit last year. You could probably see that in my the way I was playing. So I decided that it was time to, um, you know, bite the bullet I suppose and go and get it fixed and you know try to resurrect my career that way rather than playing on and you know probably not doing myself the best service really before the before the the Roy Keane of rugby league gets stuck into you as well uh aka John Wilkin for those who can't see him what what do you think that this has been down to it I mean I've, I've spoken to you in the past and you said like, you're a big old bull I mean you you probably weigh more than a bull don't you what are you 100 how big is the bull? Right now, you're about 140 you kilos, and you're 130 nah, kilos at the minute. Right, I'd, I'd say a bull's are less than that. I did pretty well, but yeah, 130 kilos. But in all seriousness, is that because of your weight? I mean, has Tom had the same, any issues with his hip? No, I think you know, me and Tom are genetically the same, but the, I think we've got very different running styles, and I've always been quite right foot dominant, always stepping off my right foot. So I think that was where I got the problems because I got a lot of wear and tear on this right hip. So. You know, at the end of the day, that was, you know, I used it a lot more than my left side. So I think that was why, you know, it got it got more damaged than, than what it, it should have done, really. So, I mean, you know, that was the real reason why I think my hip deteriorated. And obviously, that was a big part of my game. My, my right foot step was a big part of my game. And when I lost that, it sort of took away a lot, a big part of my game, I think. Mm. Look, John, you you've obviously mm. know George very well, and yep. we've all, you know, it's fair to say we're all good mates. But that's not going to help you for the next fifty minutes because we're going to put you under the bus a little bit. Because look, there are there are plenty of Wigan fans, George, as well, who've been disappointed, and you can understand that. But they don't know what's gone on behind the scenes, and this is the whole point of this to try and explain and not explain. You don't need to explain anything to anyone, but to try and just 
make the picture a little bit clearer. So when when Wigan signed George, I mean, it's fair to say, isn't it, that the last decade he was one of the best props in yeah. in the world. What were you expecting when he came to, to Super League? Um, well, I like to be fair to George, I'd not watched much of the NRL. Um, you know, so I wasn't completely up on on where George was at physically. What what I can empathise with is that point in someone's career where you will wanting and have the knowledge to be able to play well you know those performances are in there but your body won't let you do it mm. and the frustration of that is like incredible it's not you know for, for fans look you know we say this all the time it's about entertainment fans have an opinion it's their release they can have opinions but at the middle of all that sort of opinion and conjecture about somebody is a person who's probably you know, a really competent athlete who's then had to go through a period of his body not allowing him to do his job. Mm. And not only that, through a period of chronic pain, through a period of reduced mobility, probably socially a bit isolated because you train on your own more. So when, you know, when George came over and I heard his hit was bad, that's a, it's a tough spot to be in, especially in that situation. What George is in is he's got huge following and profile that comes with it. You know, that's... That's that for me was the biggest thing when I when I sort of maybe thought about you is that point at which you know that your body can't quite do what you need it to do and how how you deal with that you know I don't even know yeah definitely I mean I always knew I had a problem with my hip you know I managed it for a, a large part of my career uh, and I thought coming to Wigan it'd be fine I'd do the same thing but and I got it to a, a good point I think right before the first lockdown. Um, which we played Salford, didn't we? Mm. I think we beat you, but yeah. Yeah, you beat us that night. But the game before that was probably you know the best I'd felt you know up, over here. So I've yeah, got to try. I don't know if you want to show the highlights if you want. <laughs> sure. hang, but, on, um, hang on, hang on, the show in it. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> it's finished. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know I felt really good. But I think going into that lockdown, I just sort of really deteriorated with my training and my you know, regular physio that I was getting and, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do those 1% things that I was doing when, when we were in training all the time. So I think from that point on, it was hard and I was, I was chasing my tail a lot when we came back from lockdown. I was, I was really finding it hard to get, get back to my full fitness and, um, you know, managing my hip the best that I could. So we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through the lockdown period because that, that is, I think it's a key period. You know, you signed with no foresight of that happening. You know, everyone in the world's had businesses closed and things have awful, far more awful than that have happened, but you had no idea that that was going to hamper you. But when you first joined and you, and you started to feel this, this hip injury, you're there, you're coming over and I know you're a pretty chill, that guy, but you still had some ego. You still had the Burgess name. You still were, were coming over to, to show people what you were all about. And still at the time, what were you in 2020, 27? When you signed? Yeah, Something like that. Yeah. So what was that like when you stepped out and you first started to hit, feel those impingements in your hip and you then were playing through that pain barrier? Because it looked to me, as your mate, like you were dancing on eggshells. Like you were, you were, you were playing at 20%. Yeah, no, it was hard. Like the, I remember the first game against Warrington. I, um, I hurt it real bad and... You know, then I was I worked really hard to get it back to a, a good point, and I did that. I, I worked my ass off to get it back to a good point with the physios, and then I did get it to a good like condition. And then we went into that lockdown, and it was just it sort everything sort of fell away, and it was really hard to get back from there. And and the, and the Warrington game was the Murdoch Masilla moment. Yeah, and that. And I know you don't you're not bothered about social media and you know you know Twitter and so on, and you probably haven't seen half the tweets that I've seen but you were aware of them. That was, it felt like a bit of a, a sort of a pivotal moment that Wigan fans, even at that early stage, they were they were coming for you. They were like, what yeah. the fuck is this guy we signed? He's our marquee signing. He's just been yeah, bulldozed yeah. by Murdoch Masilla. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, I think, obviously, I went into that game a bit underdone, I think, physically, and it showed it on on that on that collision there. And, you know, he's a big man and, you know, I, I lost that collision and that was probably... You know something that I, I pride myself on on winning those type of collisions. So I knew I knew from then that I had a lot of work to do, and I sort of uh, w I really put my head down and worked hard. You know to get back fit, and you know I felt like I got to a good condition. But you know, but like five six years ago, that kind of thing would never have happened to you. Like because we're good mates, we've been mates for a long time, and I remember I think 2013, 2014, uh, you were probably top three maybe maybe even the best front row in the world 
Now you've come over and us being good friends, I'd speak to you quite a bit and you'd like I'd watch your performances and you'd be like, Oh, I wasn't great on the weekend, but you know, I'm I'm getting it, I'm I'm getting into my groove. And then even when probably pre just pre lockdown, you had a you had a decent game against Wakey. But that compared to five, six years earlier, that it's still still not the same player, is it? And and do you know what? But but that's no fault of your own. That's probably the injury. And I, what what I find interesting is when you, when you play sport, and I've seen this with John, when you're quite single minded and 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 you're quite passionate about what you do, you convince yourself that that you're fine. You convince yourself that I've got a little niggle, but I'll be fine. But when you're in that headspace, you don't see the bigger picture, and you can you can think that you think you can come in back. You think, oh, I'm going to be back to the player I was, but. Sometimes it's not there, and I think it's probably taken this, isn't it? The, the, the frustration. No, my my ears pricked up when you said it there, and this is from someone because you guys have all played, and that from the outside, my ears pricked up when you when you said the the frustration of what you know your body can do, yeah. and it's not allowing well, you. You to convince perform. yourself. Well, you convince yourself totally. There's a, there's a point in your sports career, right, where you know your cognitive side, your brain, your mind, you, you, the information that you've got at hand has never been more amplified. So the longer you do anything, the more attuned you are to the, the detail of the game, you know, the subtleties of the game. You probably know more about the game in the back end of your career than you ever knew at the start. But the frustration comes when the physical side lets you down. You can't quite move. Like, could George Burgess not Ben murder Masilla on his ass? Like, you know, in the right situation, you know what I mean? So, but if you can't get your body in that position to do it, it just doesn't happen. And that's what happens in sports sometimes. How did, you, that, how did that feel, George, though, that moment? And I, like, I mean, like when it happens, I, I remember, I, remember, yeah, I, remember I think we made too much of it. Like, no, no, we made no. too much of it because no, it I'm only saying that. I got him his contract at the Warriors, so I'm happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I, but I'm, saying, I'm only saying it because it, for me, it felt like I remember watching at home and it just felt like a moment. Like I said before, people turned on you. You're not asked about that. But did yeah. it, when you went back into the dressing room after that game, were you thinking about that, and how, no, and how no. long did that get? Did it take to get out? I your wasn't mind? concerned about that. I was more concerned about my physical uh, condition, and I, I knew that my hip wasn't right after that game because I could feel it, and you know you could see it in that in that collision. So, you know, if my hip was was good, I would have bent bent my back and and um, and tackled him properly, but it just wasn't up to scratch. So that was a good marker for me. I didn't I didn't sort of you know take it personally I just knew that I, I had a lot of work to do and I know to be fair to myself I did I did a lot of work after that and got my head down and you know I came back pretty well but obviously um things happened after that and you know it wasn't wasn't good to me you know the lockdown so but you know in you, what way you learn from these things you learn from it you know just going going into lockdown being stuck at home with with three kids and you know you can't do as much as you normally would at training you don't see physios you don't you don't do those extra things that you would do if you're at training you know it just doesn't happen um i don't know so do you felt you when obviously when the lockdown happened and obviously mm. you guys were still playing john and mark you know you were still under contract weren't you at salford in toronto well yeah, john, john. Loose, very loosely yeah. did you even sign for toronto i can't remember mm. <laughs> um did did you feel yourself deteriorating then during that period yeah, I did. quite quickly yeah i did and it was quite hard to deal with because, you know, you can feel the pressure of, you know, the fans and the club, and you know that soon enough we're going to be back playing. But you don't, you know, you you know in yourself you're not up to scratch. So it was it was quite sort of it's probably scary, you know, coming back into that Wigan team and knowing that you're not quite there and knowing that there's a quite a, quite a big expectation on yourself. But um, you know, I, I did my best, but it just didn't happen last year. But I knew that this year. I had to, you know, make a call and, um, you know, do that surgery and I couldn't be a burden to the Wigan club anymore. So I felt like that was the right decision for me and for the club. And I felt like that was the most ethical thing to do as a person and, 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 and as a club man and as a you know teammate. I think that was the right thing to do. So I felt like, um, you know, I made the right decision there and, I've, I've you know, Wigan have been great to me. They've helped me out with my, with my surgery and all my rehab. And uh, they've been awesome, so I'm re very thankful to them. And you know, I'm, I, you know, you never know. I could be back playing at Wigan in a couple of years, but we'll see. Was there not a realization during lockdown how bad it got that you thought this isn't normal that I have to rely on physio treatment every day to get on the training field and the play? Did, mm. did it not feel like 
the, the severity of the injury kind of hit home during that lockdown? Or was it when you came back? I think the fact that I always sort of did that amount of stuff just, just to get myself on the field, I think that, you know, it was a norm for me. And then when I went away from it, then I sort of realised how much I relied on that on that part of training, really. And that was, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. But I know now what I need to do to, you know, get back to the level again. You know, I first went to Australia when I was 18. I worked my way up and that's where I made my name. So I think I can do that again if if I'm physically in that place. I think I can do that again. And, you know, I've definitely still got the drive to do it and still got the want and all those things. We're not very, like... There's not a lot of empathy or, or sympathy even towards injured players in sport, is there? You know, you get very quickly labelled as, as somebody who's injury prone or, and, um, you know, I, I find that it, it, it's an interesting, like, way to look at things. Like, if I look at a player like Johnny Lomax at St. Helens, who I was chatting with today, and he, he was saying, look, he had a brain hemorrhage when he was 14. He then had three knee reconstructions, multiple, like, different injuries on the way. And although he was like an outstanding performer, probably gets labelled as somebody who is injury prone. And all that time, what you're doing is heaping like criticism on somebody who is doing all the right things to get back and play. You know, and I think that's an unhealthy culture because what we're saying to guys is get back and play because we're going to put pressure on you to play rather than be right and get back. And that's something our game suffered from. For, well, we saw it with Callum it's, it's suffered, Callum. Yeah, it suffered. The game suffered from that for 25 years. A subconscious inherent pressure from fans, coaches, teams for players who aren't fit to play to play. I've seen it throughout my career. Players, players suffer, but they suffer in silence. They don't talk to anyone about it because that's, that's the way we talk to deal with things. And, um, you know, last year was the first year of my career that I missed games through injury. So, but people don't see that. They, all they see is, you know, you're only as good as your last game. So, you know, I played nine years at, at the Rabbit Hills without missing, you know, a handful of games for injury. So, but when you were at the, you know, um, rewind before the Rabbit Hills, you know, born in Dewsbury and all the challenges that you'd had before you even went to Australia, you know, losing your dad to motor neurons disease, but just the pressure of being a Burgess brother anyway, whether you accept that, but I'll tell you that from the outside that that is a, that is a pressure, isn't it? And then, you know, when you first signed for, for, for Souths, everything you, you, you went through there and you've won it all and you've been with your brothers and it's been such a great time. So then when you come on your own, because there's a certain element of ego when you come on your own, isn't there, to the Super League? Because you'd never played there, but you'd watched a lot of Super League rugby. Did, did you feel that pressure, inverted commas, of being the marquee signing when you came over in 2020? I never, I never even thought about it, to be honest. But the one thing that I did underestimate is the fact that how much... I sort of relied on my brothers throughout my career just for support and just general well-being, really. I never even, I think I took it for granted a little bit, you know, that the chats that you'd have on a daily basis with, with Luke and Sam and Tom, you know, and not being not being around that every day and not having that, you know, on hand whenever you need it, it was, was quite, I think that was quite a big thing for me in, in the end and something that I actually struggled with a little bit mentally and you know the fact that I couldn't see my mum on a regular basis you know she was due to fly over twice last year but those got those flights got cancelled and I think that that took its toll on me a little bit you know not having that support network you know there for you every day you know it is a big thing and you don't realise it until it's taken away from you but uh, yeah I think that was that was a thing that sort of sung me a little bit and something that I you know, I definitely realised that, that, you know, made me successful. Yeah, and is there a danger then? You know, like, you, you've got a really tight family, haven't you? You know, you're close, you're all really close. But the danger in that is then if they're not, you know, they're yeah. not around, you become, yeah. I suppose, conditioned to having having that support. But, yeah. I mean, it's natural, wholly natural for everybody in that. Luke had the same thing at Salford, didn't he? I know he, yeah. he had his mates, but he was on his own. And yeah. But, felt, the, but we've like got, there's a, there's a thing hanging over this that is completely different to any time in anyone's life. There's nobody who has lived who has experienced what we've just been through. Is it complete isolation? Mm. We're not talking about George missing his family and, and, you know, people being able to duck back and see him or, you know, two, two big factors. You're in the other side of the world and, you know, <laughs> COVID hit. And you're so going through you, a rough time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, look, 
without it's not like George says it's not all woe be me fucking hell the guy smashed it in the NRL for 10 years but the inevitably what we want to talk about is the, the 10 months where he struggled well yeah and look the, the, the thing is this, this podcast has had the tendency recently and it's the last thing that all of us wanted it to become but it, people have just opened up yeah. you know we, we're not here to be Victoria Derbyshire and suddenly make people fucking cry and say things that what's wrong with Victoria Derbyshire I'm sure but there we go. crying <laughs> Well, embarrassing for I her. Do. Yeah, I what's anyway. your problem? No, because I, I feel like there's. A, it's just like we're not going to. We're not leaving this until people cry, and then it's like get the curtains down. She's crying. You know, like that's not what we're about. And yeah, you know, a lot of these people you know, and we're mates with them. We are we're very close to George, but that's not. As I said, it's not going to stop you no, being no. questioned because no, I, there'll be no, no. But listen, it. there'll be people listening to this, and you know what Twitter's like. It's fucking mental. There are I people on there. Twitter was still going. Don't look at it because I advise you not to look at it. But, you know, you know what that's like. And, and I engage with trolls. I don't have any profiles. So I've got no problem engaging with trolls. But you, you do. And they've said some nasty things about you and so on. You said, you said that rugby league has a, a tendency for, for guys to suffer in silence. So is that something that you've done? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens. You know, when, when you're part of a team, you don't want to make a fuss of yourself. And, you know, you don't want to draw attention. You, so it's about the team. It's not about the individual at the end of the day. And... But when you have a name, it's not about the team. That's my point. It's, you know, mm. we, we look, we, we're talking sort of like topically at the moment, someone like Naomi Osaka, right? Because she was the former world number one tennis player, right? yeah. outstanding talent. But that's an individual sport where mm. she will be absolutely scrutinised. And that doesn't necessarily happen in team sport, particularly in rugby league, which is a minority sport in the UK, like at Olympia. Yeah. But because of your name and because of the expectation, you perhaps mm. were always going to be open to that scrutiny unless you were 10 out of 10 every week. Yeah, no, it's challenging. It's always going to be challenging when you've got that sort of expectation. And I knew that when I was coming over, but, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I've always had that great support network around me. And, you know, you know, I've been happy to openly talk to people about how I'm feeling. So I've always been pretty lucky, you know, that it hasn't got to a point of no return sort of thing. So, yeah, you know. I've Does had, the criticism I, bother you, though? No, I mean, it's part of the game. You know, and if you can't, if you can't handle criticism, you, you know, you're going to struggle, you know, playing playing the sport, I think. So you've got to put it in, in perspective. You know, I think a lot of other sports get far worse criticism than we do. So Well, yeah, but, and George has earned the right to be criticised. Yeah, because he's, he's good. good. Yeah. Like, do you know who's criticising? I don't know. Some, you know, a player who is I was bang average. No one criticised me because no, they, they know, knew what they were George's, getting. We did. George's yeah, relevance did. means he's criticised. The pressure he's under, to quote Pep Guardiola, for about the 20th time is a privilege, isn't it? George is under a unique pressure because he came with a big sort of price tag, his name, his profile, he's one, been one of the best front rows in the world. And cynically, it's better news or makes better news for him not to go well than it does for him to do all right. Because people lap that stuff up. Like vitriol, it, it fuels the media. Yeah, it's not media, a story to go, as you expected, George Burgess is playing really well. Oh, that's, that's not he's a story. Just playing, he's just that's not well. interesting. Not really yeah. well. Really yeah. well, you get mentioned. Yeah. We he's thought he'd play well. well, and he's uh, yeah, he's playing well as expected. So on that then, and asking as devil's advocate, do you feel like you've let anyone down? No, not at all. Um, I think I'm, I've always been my biggest critic. You know, I've always been hard on myself. You know, and I think, I think having that pressure is sort of a privilege. I think if if you've got that pressure on on yourself uh, and to perform for the team as a main player, I think it's a privilege. And you know sometimes it doesn't always work out, but that's you know wherever there's a fall, there's going to be a rise as well. So that's what I'm looking at at the minute. I've had a bit of a, a fall, but for me, there's always an opportunity to rise from the ashes and come again. And I feel like I'm I'm still on that path and I can still make it happen. So I've, I'm taking the steps that I need to do to to make that happen. So I'm feeling pretty positive. And look, I know you've had some some good moments, uh, despite only playing eight games. You've had some good moments of being back home and whatever, because you know family's more important anyway. Let's face it. And you've you've got three beautiful kids and your missus. Yeah. And you know you've been around your mates back here in the northwest. Been around a bit. Been around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again. Paul Sykes. Um, but a bit. you know you watched that grand final in Hull which was an unbelievable game you know you would yeah. want to have been a, a, a I was 18th part. man actually <laughs> was close about, to playing but oh, you were, I was actually I, I was actually getting like working my ass off to get back fit for that game but I was I ended up being 18th man but I warmed up with the team and you know I was there and you know I was felt everything that they were feeling so it was honestly I've never seen a grand final like it so it was uh, pretty cool 
to be a part of it. Sean Lachlan's last game, but you know it was also James Graham's last game. We were very close as well, so I was very happy for him that he got that fairy tale ending. And you know, you know, it's just a shame that there was no crowd there because that would have been a grand. It's not real game, wasn't it? That would have been a grand final for the ages. I could could only imagine the atmosphere that was there when with just us players there and a few reporters was amazing. I couldn't imagine. 20,000 fans there as well it would have been epic so you're, you're the kind of guy that you've I mean I've probably said it five times already today but you're ex- like extremely chilled I can't imagine how difficult it is to actually get into your head to really rattle you to, to you've to, got to bury a big way down there to get into that's it. a big head isn't <laughs> it? we've had this on the podcast before you're, you're the third you're, I think you're the third largest head out of the Burgesses we've measured them before I think it's probably yeah. yeah Sam's got a big head Sam's <laughs> grown quite a bit you're not joint second no I think it's the, no, no Tom's bigger Oh, is it? Yeah. Even though it's twins. But um, look, we've had Chris Radlinski on the podcast recently. Has he got big head? He's <laughs> uh, big jibber, nah, isn't it? Average. Just, just for men, I think he admitted. He average size. It. Look, in all seriousness, that conversation when... Because um, how long left on your contract did you have before you were told you were you were, you were done? Yeah, so I signed it three years to begin with and I think I did half of it, so... So you did, you did 18 months and what was that conversation like? I mean, I know it would have been yeah. spun like, look, it's COVID and everyone's getting furlough and blah, 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 mm. blah. But when you were sat in the chair and someone saying to you, this isn't working out, and I think it's in, in, in all our interests that we, we go in a different direction. What was that like, that moment? In fairness, it, 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 it wasn't the, the club coming to me and telling, telling me it wasn't working. The club w- wanted it to happen. They were ready to support me throughout my surgery and get me back for my third year of my contract. But it was me who made the call in the end to, um, to, to put a stop to it and... You know, give myself the best chance by going back to Australia, and you know, I think the the main reason for me going back to Australia was for people. I think for people coming back from a big injury like I've just had, if if you're going to give it your best shot, you want to come back through a tiered system of playing. You know, over here you've got Super League, and then not much below it really. Not not high, not much high standard below it. Whereas in Australia, you got quite, you got a good good competition and you've got probably th- two or three competitions below it that are quite you know high standard that you can you can phase your return to play quite quite well and you can get some good minutes and I think that was the main reason behind me doing it and also the pre-seasons I think the standard pre-season that I can get um, back there coming back from a, a lower limb surgery is going to be good for me because I've done pre-seasons over here and you know everyone who plays in the Super League will tell you that the first part of the, the pre-season you find it hard to get on, on, a, on a solid pitch don't you yeah. you, you can tell, deep in you can tell. Yeah. most of the time you're on a 4G most of the time weeks. you're on a 4G pitch yeah, yeah. and that is not good for um, no. a hips you know someone coming back hip, from a hip surgery yeah, so hips and knees I think me giving myself the best chance going back doing a pre-season in warm weather is going to be giving me the best shot and give me the best shot of resurrecting my career but you sound to me and I've spoken to you over the last few months at this moment more than anything far more set on carrying on your career than you did maybe two months ago when I, when just reading you and just conversations we've had over a beer you kind of thought like it could have gone either way it could have been like yeah. oh, I'm done I'm not really bothered about it well that was it I didn't know how the surgery was going to go but obviously I've had it now and it's been five weeks and early signs are really good so I'm quite positive about it and y- your brother's a big inspiration for you isn't he like obviously your twins you're the mm. best of mates We've had chats. You watch all his games. Yeah, he's he's a big inspiration for you for, for coming back and kind of getting up to that standard. And he's smashing again, isn't it, isn't he, at the moment? That's he's what I mean. Him. He's uh, he's doing me a lot of favors at the minute because he's barnstorming in the NRL. So physically, you know, we're the same sort of beast. And I know that if I can get my body to where it needs to be, I can do exactly what he's doing and even more so. So you know, that's um, that's a good sign for me. And I just know that I've got the mindset for it. I just need my body to follow suit and then, then I'm off I go. It's the interesting thing about having surgery. You have major surgery, right? And and what's the alternative of, like, you need to rehab it, don't you? Mm. So if you have this, you know, you've had the surgery, you need mm. to do the rehab. Like, yeah. and anybody, any Joe Public, the difference between sports people and maybe Joe Public is the attention to detail on rehab. So George is going to spend six months rehabbing his hip. You know, that's a long time, you know, to consider actually playing again. If you're going to rehab it, you might as well have a crack at playing again. Why would yeah. you not? That's if it. you're going to spend the time, if you're not, just don't rehab it. 
Yeah. What is that that drives, that, that's what I was trying to get to. What is that that then drives you to want to play again? Well, I just feel like I've got a lot left to offer. You know, I think last three seasons I've not played a lot of games. So, and before that I was playing 20 plus games a season. So I feel like I've got a lot of left, a lot of games left in me. Um, and to be fair, your position, front rowers peak at late 20s, don't they? There's been some that peak early 30s. Jamie Peacock played till he was like 36, 37. And for the last yeah. five, six years of his career, he was like untouchable. So yeah, you mean, must feel you get a, a lot of smarts, confidence with that. You get a bit of smarts as you get a bit older and, you know, you, you can... You learn how to gouge like people to get away with the gouging <laughs> a bit more, didn't you? As yeah. Well. No, yeah, not it's really. That that. Over. It's the angle. That was the demise in. of my uh, NRL career. It was an accident. But, it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, it was a definite accident. A couple of accidents. No, you work. You you learn how to get yourself around the field. You know, John will tell you, is towards the back end of your career, you can get away with, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, doing less effort, but you know, smarter efforts. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So um, I feel like I'm in that place, and if I can get my get my body to a good, you know, condition, I think that I'm. I'll be a great asset to any team. And then your, your injury, like talk us through your injury and the surgery you've had because it's mm. it's pretty extreme, isn't it? Yeah, so basically um, my hip joint was quite worn away, not much cartilage left in the in the joint. So the surgeon's gone in there and replaced the the hip and the ball and socket joint with a metal, you know, resurface pretty much. So it's. But that's it, like, I'm asking stupid questions from a non sportsman point. That's a permanent thing that metal is just there for good. You're yeah. setting off airport scanners for good. You know, that yeah. is like a full yeah, Andy yeah. Murray operation. Yeah. So so my hip, hip socket now is perfect in terms of movement and everything. But what I need to do now is retrain all my muscles and ligaments around my hip that have been there for nine, 10 years and they've got used to moving a certain way. I need to they've got a mind of their own. I need to train them again how to move with this new hip. So that's going to take a long time. That's massive. Like, and I keep mentioning your size, but you are massive. And so that, mm. that is a, is a, is a 125 times harder than it is for you. 80 stone, yeah. 80 stone, you're 80 kilogram halfback. That, that was the main reason why I didn't continue with Wigan because I want to give it a good amount of time before I decide whether I'm going to play again because I want to go into a club being hundred percent. I don't want to go into a club as a, you know, someone who sits on the physio bed for half the week. I want to go into a club, someone who leads training sessions, someone who's, you know, a leader in, in the game day squads. That's what I am. And, and, and I'm not going to go into a team, anything less than that. So that's what, that was Listen, my, everyone who knows you and, 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 Fuck all the Wigan trolls because they can fucking do one. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I've not had any any problems with any. Anyone. Well, no, you haven't, but I've you know, well, other people well, have seen it. No, I've he's seen no, no because you're not on it and you don't care about it. Quite rightly, you don't care about so it. So what we're going to do is remind him of. No, all no, the no, I'm not reminding him. Last, or last time I'm going to mention it, but I've seen it and I, and they're like what what people have said about it, which is why I wanted you to speak like this as well today. Well, I can understand I, it. No, no, but I think yeah, I can understand it, but I think it's very unfair what people have said because they're taking uneducated you know guesses of what's happened over the last eighteen months. However. You're going back to uh, to Australia, back to Sydney, back amongst where your, your brothers are, back where your mum is. Uh, you know, and your, your missus is from Australia. You're going to be in an environment which is far more, far more comfortable to to what to what you know what you're about. Um, and you're gonna you are going to try and play again. You know, what, why is there any reason why you can't get get Russell on the crow? Get fucking Russell Crowe on the phone, and let's get you back to Souths. Get you back, back yeah, the top. Said just get, get Russell Fern on the crow. <laughs> get Russell Fern on the crow. <laughs> no, but can you get can you get back to South? I mean, to me, the perfect scenario for you would be just to slip in seamlessly. I'd love to, to go South back. Sydney. I'd love to go back to South Sydney. You know, it's, that club has has my heart. You know what I mean? It's I played all my first team games with them, so won a premiership with them, and you know, I hold them very closely to me. But you know, it doesn't always work that way. You know. But obviously that would be my first choice. But at the end of the day, it's about me getting fit. And um, whether that's doing a pre-season with someone else or wherever, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm getting fit, as long as I'm getting um, you know in my, myself in a position where I can you know live that dream again and play again, that's, that's all that matters really. And I think anyone um, would understand that who's sort of on the outside looking in. Are you comfortable with that not happening? Do you know what I mean? You've just described yeah, yeah. you've described a journey from being sat on a Chesterfield with Flash now to like getting back to playing the NRL. Have you entertained that not happening? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, but 
I wouldn't be happy with not trying. Um, so I, I just want to try. And if I, if it doesn't work out, then I'm happy, you know, continuing on my life and you know, doing whatever strikes me after that. To people on the outside, um, Tom, you know, the first thing they will see is identical twins apart from your nose looks like a helter skelter that's how you tell you apart if you're <laughs> within three feet watch the angles do, do, again. How, how is his mindset different because you know right now as we mentioned before he's absolutely smashing it and look i know you've had, you've had this horrific injury but is is his mindset different to yours do you know can can he help you um oh tom's just you know he's in a great place you know he's got his two two little kids at the minute and you know talia he's getting married at the end of the year so i think he's just really happy and He's playing some great rugby. Um, he's just fit, you know. He's been fit for a number of years, so that that builds momentum over seasons. Do you know what I mean? So, but being with him will help. You know, it's like def- they yeah. say with twins: when you're like more than twelve meters apart, you start struggling. You're telepathic, you're, yeah, definitely. You, you know, you are, you become who you you around. So, I think if I'm spending more time around Tom, I'm going to be creating the same habits as him. And you know, we we always infectious on each other. You know, from 15 years old. We'd go to the gym together and you know push each other so that was probably the biggest part of our success you know coming through the the, the grades at, at Bradford Bulls we'd, we'd push each other in the gym you know go to after school we'd get the bus to the gym and work harder than anyone else at our age so that was the, that was the main thing that probably helped us out so I think getting back to that and being around my my brothers and you know having that motivation there is going to help me. Definitely. It's funny that, isn't it? Because lazy like analysis of like Tom and George would be all the Burgess family is that right, all the the big lads, genetically big, you know, he's a big guy. Therefore, you know, he had was in an advantageous position. But but realistically, the the, the combination of having brothers in a similar sport, very similar matched in competency, all then pushing each other to train, is like compound effect of how good they can be. So, so, so all of the guys, and and I'll, I'll say this as well. George was leading the way for Tom, well before Tom's now. Tom's doing well now, but I would say in that fourteen, fifteen, six, like George was leading the way and, and pulling everybody up behind him. And and but when you've got that network of people who are closely matched, your family, you know, you, you all do the same job. The the compound effects of you competing against each other and creating good good habits is huge. It's, it's, it's massive. Do you feel that though? I know I, know I asked you before about the, the pressure of being a Burgess brother. Something you probably never ever thought about. But you know, just on that, the pressure of being a Burgess brother is, right, the pressure of having three or four of your best mates who were equally or if not a little bit better or worse than you at something. And equally as competitive. And going at it. Yeah. What a, like, that's class. The, the, the funny thing for me and Tom was we were always working hard together so that we could compete against Luke and Sam. Exactly. That was like, we were like, right, we're going to sneak up on Luke and Sam and, you know, (laughs) shock them all. That was that. You know, when we were in the gym together, we talk about this like kind of stuff, you know, at 16 years old. So, yeah, you know, that was the thing. And and then they're obviously like, well, we can't let these young twins get one over on us. So Luke and Sam were like, you know, we're going (laughs) to beat these young twins up. (laughs) My my, my thing, and again, I'm asking questions from the outside. So tell me, I'm, fucking wrong completely however and I, I, Mark I remember having a conversation with you mentioned it a few times on the podcast before I remember we were sat on Formby Beach and we were having a conversation about the future and whatever and I think you were like what were you 29, 30 something like that no, you know, 28 yeah. late 20s yeah and and from the outside from from someone who's, whose career can go to whatever age you know maybe not even as very long the way I'm going but you know you, broadcasting whatever whatever you're sat, you're, in a, you're an accountant you go to your 60 you're done then then there's your pension whatever it's such a it's such a short time frame so there must is this where the drive comes from in your side like for example you know Sam retired at 30 with a shoulder injury I mean if someone had said that 6 years ago that you, you wouldn't have believed it would you Sam Burgess retiring at at, six, at, at, um, at you know, thirty is one the, of the best. The decision was taken out of his hands. Also. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and I know the injury plays a part, but there must be a side. Like I always say to you guys, this, this is only going to last so long. Like you just want like ab- soak up everything that you can. And I said this to you, John. I think certain times as well. And I, and I know for and right I, now I soaked it up. No, <laughs> I know you did. No, oh, but fool, in all, in all did I sponged it, every last no, drop? No, no, in you all seriousness, and you're like, look, I'm injured. Super I can't do anymore. My body's telling me I can't do anymore. But you're never going to get those highs ever again in your life. So that that's where oh. I'm thinking. Just. 
can you not drink up as much as possible before it? But from the outside looking over. in, the, the yeah, perception of soaking everything up isn't what it's made out to be. Not me in a well. pathetic way. I mean, no, like I still at the top level. Yeah, it's it's great playing professional sport. Yeah. However, it's there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of sacri- maybe not sacrifices, but there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of of things that go into it to reach those highs. But sometimes it's not always worth it. I think I think I've heard John say it before in an interview. He said. It's it's the amount of work that you that that you need to do to get yourself right. Yeah, yeah. It's whether that becomes worth it in the end. But, but yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is, in so 15 years, do you not think it bigger. was worth it? And I should have put more into it to make it worth it. That, well, because a, when you're 60, there's always a point, no matter who you are. There's always nah. a point where you, where you decide, right, that's not worth it anymore. Mm. But going, you're I'm saying continue. You're saying we, we should enjoy a career in sport and maximize it and make the most not of the it. the detriment of your health. No, no. But what you're saying then? I'm saying to to the point where you don't regret anything in ten years. But you don't. You can't regret anything. But you can only make the, make the decision with the facts country, and the experiences man. you've had at that yeah. time. No, no, no. I and could you retire. Careers, but I could I retire think... tomorrow and I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah. But well, that's the, fact, the question. The uh, is that, my point yeah. is, I know you've all played at the highest level. You know, might play the nights as well for a game. But yeah. you've you've all played at the highest level to a certain degree. We're all internationals on any world. But will there not be a point where you just thought it was to push through that barrier or that one final pain barrier, whatever, just to 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 have the the biggest longevity of my out of my career to so stretch it as far as it could have gone at the top level would you not regret that if you didn't do that 10 15 years on yeah no i agree yeah i agree you would be maybe regret it but you know you make decisions at a time when everything all the information's there and all you can do is make a decision and look i, I i'm big into like grit and resilience and like you've got to be resilient to, to last in sport to have longevity in, in sport you need grit and resilience but that being said there is a point where you just need to give it away. You know what I mean? And and there is that point without and, doubt. And you don't play for 10 years at, in Super League NRL level without having a, a fucking high level of grit and resilience. Do no, you? I no, no, I get that. But so, George, George, so what we're saying is, George, is it, my, my point, just going back to what we were talking about, is there's a subconscious pressure on you as an athlete to really extend your career and enjoy it and love it. Mm. And I think it's almost unfair yeah. because there's elements of the job that aren't enjoyable. It, it's great. You get paid well. Mm. You know, I've had I've had 16 major surgeries. Mm. I've been under anaesthetic 16 times. You know, and and there's a pay there's a payoff yeah. to it. Yeah, but you can so take I, that. So I can enjoy like, it. You've I can, that now. No, but I've got I can, plenty more in the bank then. I've yeah. got plenty more surgeries but, to go. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, You're just getting but, just getting but that decision's only, start, that decision's only for one person because. That that athlete shouldn't or shouldn't play for anybody else but themselves. Yeah, but you're doing that. Yeah. You, 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 yeah, yeah. you say that, but you embraced all of those 16 surgeries because you're a weird yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Didn't no, you, yeah. No, you, no, you, I did. You, you yeah. No, no, no. What, but what I was saying is there is a subconscious pressure on athletes to enjoy and be thankful but for, for again, the job that they've but got. I think, but I think that's the reason I say it from people like me from the outside are telling you because you can't see it. But you you've can't, been in, you're a broadcaster, Will. I know, and I can't people, see your side, but you can't see my side. No, so, no, I yeah. can't. No, because you played Super League. Oh, no, oh, well, John's, I, 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 I John's done a bit of broadcasting. No, I, no, I know, but you haven't. No, but you, I've dabbled in the BBC once or twice. You're still working for the BBC, and you're working in the media, and holding a microphone as a player. He's a media a whole. Player. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying to you that it's, it's, it's just that final pain barrier to things that you might regret later on, and people, yeah. people miss that adrenaline very quickly. But you yeah. don't, you don't, you don't realise that you can't experience that unless you've walk the road that he's ridden or yeah. I've ridden or he's ridden but I haven't missed the adrenaline no, no but that's all. interesting that you haven't yeah at all in fact the weekly cycle of like getting like mega revved up and like uh, and I'm then, saying 20 years on when you're lieutenant Dan you're in the wheelchair and you're, you're yeah. thinking like you know <laughs> what I, yeah but I think the difference the is, is when, and, with when all, you know it's enough it's enough yeah mm. but this I is I don't know that yet no that, but you don't because of your age mate yeah. it? it's look Joe, we're talking about Joe how old he's are you 29. George he's 29 yeah. he's been around forever He's essentially yeah, as old as a him. conquer tree, but mm. he's not. He looks like a conquer tree. He's not yeah. that old. That's why I'm not feeling it yet. Yeah. No, you're 29, mate. I was 37. You know, there's yeah, a difference yeah. in mentality. And, and, and but I, my, again, my point is I think there's a lot of pressure on somebody who's in a sports career, family, friends, people are interested in it. I'm just about getting to the stage in my life now where people don't speak to me about rugby. Mm. And you like that? Yes. But my friends away from. You know, Mark, don't speak to me about rugby. <laughs> you're, not really, you're not really friends. No, we're colleagues now. Yeah. I just ask him about rugby all the time. Business, that, that, yeah, business. That, that, that would be like the mental 
completion of tr of the transition, right? You yeah. know, like yeah. before when you were playing, everyone talked to you about, you know, how's the week? How'd it go on the weekend? Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that was the the mental side of it. it is I it, is hate it talking about rugby to people, but that's what that's what yeah, you but you've do. done it. I get yeah. that because you've done it all your lives. But like, so is there a point then where you you feel like you don't even not have to, but you don't even want to prove anything? to people you know like someone saying to you like, and I know when you read media stuff and whatever if, for example people saying to you oh you know Burgess is done now he can't even if he goes back to the NRL they're not going to sign him is there a side of that that then just ignites something where it goes like do you know what fuck you for one final time I'm going to go for it it's more about for myself because I know deep down in myself that I've got it in me so it's about proving that to myself really it's not about sort of you know I don't even know these people who might be saying these things that you know, might be published or whatever. I don't know them, so I don't care about proving it to them. It's more about myself and deep down that that feeling inside that you know that you've got a bit more to give. I've George, never had, I've never had that criticism or pressure yeah. on me that's that's bigger than the pressure I put on myself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. George's self talk is probably as negative as the comments that are out there about him, aren't they? Definitely. You know what I mean? He'd be like, "God, I'm I, you know, I'm not." Definitely, don't feel yeah. like I'm pulling my weight. He just said he's made an ethical decision to pull the pin on something to get himself right. So he's already, you're already having those conversations with yourself. Oh, you all know the time. Yeah. yeah, all the time. And if it all goes tits up, we've got Russell Crowe on speed dial and tell us about the <laughs> acting career because Mark alluded to it earlier. Well, no, it's, it's Where's another, this going? Are we going home and away? What it's we another uh, passion of mine. So obviously, you know, I'll keep going with that. And, and, and Where? This... No, are you serious about this though? Yeah, serious, definitely. Serious. A, I'm, I'm putting the same amount of passion and, and work into it that I've done in my, my rugby career. So, Because I'm, people on the outside again will say, look, I, I can see him playing a fucking baddie in, you know, Jaws yeah, 5. Jaws, people are always going to say that. It's not a shark. It's a shark. A shark. Yeah. <laughs> people are always going to say that. You know, if you look at any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the path of any anyone who's made that transition from sport to acting, the, the it's always been the, the same story. You know, is he going to just play the same typecast role or is he going to do some... How many fucking roles are you going to play? And it's not until you, you do it. What, what role do you get? Could you play, um, Romeo you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds in uh, Atonement? I've got these films wrong. Oh. <laughs> I could do it. Holwell's <laughs> favourite films are coming out now. Atonement, Atonement is... Um, have you what seen the guy, the guy who's uh, Xavier in X-Men? No, all right. Can you play a lead in a rom-com? Why shouldn't I? I don't know. You tell me. There's no limits. There's no. There's but you're serious though, because you're oh, looking at me like it's a there's joke. There's only limits. Only limits that, uh, what you put on yourself. You're looking at me like it's a joke, but I'm, you're I'm not joking. I'm fully serious. I'm passionate about the the craft. I'm passionate about what it's about. Where's that come from? I've I've always been like. I, I was in school plays growing up, and I've always enjoyed it. And obviously, you know, I got some opportunities in Sydney, and it just made me love it even more. So. I think I've sort of lit the fire a little bit and, um, you know, even this year when I go back to Sydney, I've got a few opportunities lined up with film. So hopefully watch this space and there might be a few interesting things coming up. So go on, sum it up for me uh, in a couple of sentences. The last 18 months at Wigan, when you look back, how do you describe the whole thing? Um, it's obviously a disappointment in terms of on-field performance, but... I think off field, I've had a great time. You know, my wife's enjoyed it. Kids have loved it. I've you know, the the bright light in in the COVID was the fact that I got to be around my kids every day and spend time with them every day that I wouldn't usually do. And you know, obviously, I paid a price for it with my on field stuff. But I think at the end of the day, I, I really enjoyed that that time, and it's time that you never get back. You know, my kids are one, two, and three. You know, through lockdown, so that's time that you never get back. You know, those ages, and we've got some great memories from that that time that we had in Wigan and being in, in lockdown in that house we we're in. So very fertile man, one, two, and three. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Snip, don't he? I, I don't know. No more now. Oh, no more. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Me, me and Joanna have, have spoken about that at length, and you know, it's we're, we're pretty lucky that we've been able to share that with with our kids and had had that experience. But obviously, I would have liked to my body to be in a better place but not to be but I think I, I believe that everything happens for a reason and you know this has happened to me for some sort of reason and I'm I'm just sort of dealing with it the way that I know know is best and I think that Adrian Lamb summed it up as well and he said it's easy to criticise from the outside but you've done absolutely everything that you can to get back to a level 
where people expected that player to arrive from from the NRL from South Sydney and, and absolutely smash it. And you know, you, for those who don't know you, you're a fucking great lad. And as Adrian says, you're a sweet guy, you're a kind guy, you're a sensitive guy. You're sweet, the opposite. No, but he is. Did he, he, is. When he said sweet? sweet not, did he go in, like that? not in an Australian way. You know, it was more sweet. sweet as in like a sensitive. And for those who don't know that, they should they should know that. And I think you've. Um, we started it by saying explaining. It hasn't been an explanation, has it? It's been a kind of just the the story for people who don't know what's happened for and the last two years. Would you come back and play over it? If, if yeah, definitely, should. definitely. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to come back and play it, it'd be at Wigan because I feel like there's a lot of unfinished business here. And oh, there we go. Now we have got to the bottom of it. There wasn't. Now there is stuff um, to prove. Mark, well you done. Know, I've spoke to Ian Lennigan about it already, and he said if I'm if I'm good to go, then he'd be happy, more than happy to have me back. So. Um, that's already been a conversation that's been had. So, if that happens, then I'd love it because we've already been here and we've m me and Joe and the kids have have done the hard yards, I suppose, in terms of m making the move. So, we know what it entails. We know what what it's going to be like. So, we've got already got our friends here, and so we. Why are you pointing at Mark? <laughs> pointing at Mark, by the way, for those well, listening. Because yeah, I look after him. So, we, you know, we, <laughs> if if that was to come up, come to pass, we, we'd be more than happy to come back to Super League and you know. I feel like I'd love to properly make a mark in Super League, you know, when I if I can. Yeah. Go on, Roy Keane. The last word is yours. Anything? No, any final comments? If we were all going to be cast in a, in a series, I was trying to think about a series that we'd all be cast in. And I got to Will and got to Downton Abbey, and then I give up. Oh, which one am I in Downton Abbey? Not the lead. I, I don't know. Nah. Just any one the of the top. Period drama. Will would be in, in any. Well, I've got one in a robe with a little bell going. Mummy, don't mommy. worry. I'll cast you one day in, in one of my uh, films. Yes. Yeah. Come on. What's what are you going to call your film? Well, Russell's the got league, league. isn't he? League. Before we do, just to let people know. League. When I say George, when I say Russell. You know, you are very tight to Russell. He is, he is on yeah, speed. We, this isn't him. a joke. No, we no. Know him. Yeah, so, know him as well. so surely, I mean, it's just like Russell. Get me in, fucking something. No, that's not, that's not the way Russell give plays. Me Come on, give me, a, give me a break. Give me, a, throw me a bone. No, give no, me a start. He's, he's, he's not. Like, he don't roll like he's that. A tough man. He don't roll you know, like. He can write a script. He would never. No, no, he's, no. He's just not the way. But he, he, he would never hand something. He wouldn't hand something because of. Of who they are. Because of who they, they are. Mark, you've, you've met him he, once he's and got he pied so much you. Respect for he's got so much respect for the acting game. The acting game. He wouldn't, he just wouldn't me, do it. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't give me a part in the movie. Or me. He wouldn't give me or G, you know George I mean? or Mark. Mark, shut up. Wrote. No, he wouldn't give George or I a part just because of who we sure. are. <laughs> he has, you have auditioned so, though, Mark. Mark, I've auditioned, Mark met him once and, and he literally I'd rather earn my way into the way. Into it. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not sure what Mark's doing there, John. So should we do something? Like He's trying to pretend that he knows Russell Crowe. Right. Well, you know, you met him once, did he? What follows, did he say to you? On, what did he say to you when you met him? He follows you on Insta. He touched him on the shoulder once. He touched him on the shoulder once. He said, "Well played today, Mark." <laughs> Same as Chris Radlinski last week. Anyway, in all seriousness, George, thank you so much, mate, for coming in. Um, it's been an absolute and, pleasure, and I mean it. You're a fucking. We absolutely love you. You're a legend. And for people who don't know you, then they've got you very wrong. Um, and you know. I think you've you have tried absolutely everything to get back to the level and to that player that people expected. It hasn't worked out, and mate, we all from the bottom of our hearts wish you all the best when you get back there. Story's not finished. Story's hope not so. finished. Hope so. Plenty, plenty more chapters to write. Thank you, mate. Uh, there you go. That's George Burgess, everyone. And um, if you want to download our podcast, you know where to do it. We're going to have a fresh one for you every week. Give us a little follow at Out of Your RL on Twitter, and we will see you, little buggers, next time. Seeing you. Unseen. <laughs>